The Alamo Christian Foundation and its founder, Tony Alamo, came under hugely public scrutiny in 2008 when allegations of child abuse surfaced. This week, we'll be diving into the origins and earliest days of this cult before the resulting chaos and legal trial. I'm really excited to talk about this one because I remember listening to listening about it on a uh, podcast and being like, this is bananas. It is bananas. It's several bananas. Several bananas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited. This one's going to be a two-parter for sure because I, I couldn't even begin to cover the trial. Like, I, I only... <laughs> I had 145 tabs open, sister. Oh, my God. <laughs> so many tabs. It feels like my brain all the time. <laughs> uh, that is crazy banana pants. Yeah, multiple bananas, as I said. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I'm Jada Smith. And I'm Alicia Galati, and this is Two Sisters and Cult. Boom, boom, we always have our little intro. Beep, 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 beep. So the election is today when we're recording. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm terrified. Fingers crossed. It's fingers crossed, but I'm also terrified of what happens both ways afterwards. Yeah, there's a, a lot of tension. Yeah. I a agree. lot of tension, a lot of thinly veiled threats. <laughs> yeah, militant on like there's uh, Millen, Mil- I can't even talk today. Militias, militants. There is militia on both sides, I think, um, that yeah. could come out afterwards. And I also would not be surprised if those, you know, who are violent in that way were to pretend to be the other one, the other group. Mm-hmm. Now, afterwards, either way, whichever way this goes. Consider that. God damn. I know. Yeah, that's not fun. No, it's not. And I'm just giving myself a lot of space. I made my husband get a gun license. (laughs) Okay. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm I'm scared about what's going to happen. Either way, really. Um, It's really not. the The United States is not in a good state. Uh, I know that we have listeners around the world. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we love you. Watching the uh, United States in like, what the fuck is happening? We feel the same way. <laughs> so, yeah, but you, before we hit record, you were saying that uh, you're allowed to drop off your ballot at the voting. Yes. Place. In New York, according to the, all of the voting information websites. Yeah, in North Carolina, they won't let us do that. They said you cannot drop it on the mail-in ballot. It said you cannot drop this off at a on the day of, um, and you ha- you cannot drop it off at a voting place on the day of. You have to mail it in, um, have it postmarked by a certain day, and all that stuff. Or you can drop it off at certain places, like the early voting places. You could drop it off there. Mm-hmm. But I mailed mine in last week and it showed last early last week and it showed that it had been received. So nice. Yes. I was happy about that. Yes. 
vote. I mean, if it's already over at this point, when it, this goes live tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> high five everybody for voting. Yes, high Good five job. for voting. Good job. I'm just, I'm trying not to lose my brain. <laughs> I'm also trying to conserve my energy um, mm-hmm. as, with everything happening. It's just, I just want, I want to show up as my best self in everything and at mm-hmm. all times. And it's very difficult to do that when people uh, stress you out of your mind, stress me out and make yep. me want to cut somebody. And I don't want to cut people like usually <laughs> never like it's gotta be something big for me to want to cut somebody. You're not much of a, let's go cut them kind of no. person. Not really. I'm more like throw salt at them as they leave. Um, <laughs> but I'm just more and more, and I'm taking like, to me, drastic measures. I'm unfriending a lot of people. Um, anyone who's like, vote pro-life. Fuck you, I'm out. I'm not, I don't need you in my life. I don't need you in my space. I don't care that you're my uncle's cousin. I don't care. Like, yeah. I don't care that you're my cousin. I don't care. Um, I saw our aunt, uh, one of our aunts, one of our great aunts posted that being pro-choice doesn't mean that you're all for abortions. It just means that you believe that a woman should have a choice Mm -hmm. of what she does with her own fucking body. Mm -hmm. And I was like a thousand percent. And then we had a cousin who posted and was like, but what if she's trying to kill her, murder her child? I just well, I'm, then obviously she will be charged with a crime for that. Yeah, obviously, because it's a, a child as opposed to a fetus. Exactly. So then. I went and I unfriended that cousin. <laughs> All right, I like your style. I was like, I don't need you in my life. I'm done. I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Soda. Soda who? So done. (laughs) (laughs) We used to do that job. We would do knock knock there. Soda. Soda who? So dumb. (laughs) We're like, so delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime something is so something or so duh, anything, always knock knock. (laughs) We'd always go into it. Um, I actually got you doing that too. It's kind of fun. I miss office play, you know? Banter, yeah. Yes, office banter, office play. I did join a community recently that is specifically for service providers. And we have weekly co-working sessions for 30 minutes just to work on our business. Uh, We have weekly uh, happy hour calls, which are like at lunchtime, which I'm like, yes, let's bring the wine at lunchtime. I'm (laughs) totally down for that. And we just talk, we network, we get to know each other, we refer each other. It's just amazing. Mm. And so, yeah, it's been it's been really nice to have other people <laughs> in my space. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard because I miss that office chit-chat. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you. That's like my favorite thing about going to work half the week is like seeing people who aren't in my house every day. It's just nice. It's a nice energy break, kind of. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes, energy break. 
That's exactly what it feels like. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love that. Well, let's get started because I know we have a lot to cover. Sue Mooch. Sue Mooch. <laughs> All right. Tony Alamo's recounting of his life before he met the woman who he began his ministry with is highly murky, a little shady, super unclear. There's like time gaps between when he was born to like his teen years. Don't know much about his childhood. Um, There's some outright lies because (laughs) he's Tony Alamo. Yeah. He's a cult leader. What do you expect? Like, I'm like just thinking about all the other cult leaders that we've covered that they're (laughs) the only way to know about their childhood was from them talking about it. And it's like, yeah, I don't Mm. trust anything that comes out of your mouth. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But we have nothing, nothing at all. Not even from him, Um, Uh, except we know he was born Bernie Lazar Hoffman. Oh, my God. Isn't that cute? Little Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) And then he changed his name to Tony Alamo. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Bernie Hoffman is such a better name, I think. Yeah, it's more authentic. I mean, his dad was a Romanian Jewish immigrant. Okay. Who came to America... Unclear when. Um, Bernie was born September 20th, 1934 in Missouri. And he claims that his father was once a dance instructor for Rudolph Valentino. Who's that? You know, he's an actor. Over 45 movies. Jeez. Apparently. Silent films? He was a sex symbol of the 1920s. Okay, get out of here. (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) We don't care about Rudolph Valentino. (laughs) Yeah. A famous actor that nobody remembers now. Sorry, Valley. Yeah. Not much is known about his mom at all. Like, at all. I could not find a single gosh dang thing. Um, But as a teenager, he moved to California where he performed... uh, I guess he had a nice singing voice. He performed under the names Marcus Abad and Mark Hoffman. Hmm. And apparently he had a little bit of success as a big band crooner in L.A. in the 60s. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's nice. He's, I don't know if he says or if someone else says, but apparently he owned a health club for a small amount of time. <laughs> I have no idea what happened to that, but based on his uh, business model, I'd say it went under. <laughs> uh, he claims to have worked in the music industry he says that he recorded a hit single in the early 60s called Little Yankee Girl and he was also asked to manage the Beatles and the Doors and the Rolling Stones of course okay well that that's obviously a load of horse shit yeah it's like a wagon full of horse shit <laughs> oh god sometime in the 60s he served a little bit of jail time for a weapons charge oh yeah little violent tendencies Mm -hmm. or a history of such Uh Mm -hmm. but he got out in 66 which is when the metaphorical shish hit the fan oh yeah when he got out of jail in 66 he met and married a woman named Edith Opal Horn. Uh, she was also of Jewish descent. She was nine years older than him. 
She had been divorced twice. Oh. And she had a young daughter, 13 at the time. Bernie Hoffman, a.k.a. Tony Alamo, had been married himself four times already. How many times? Four. What? How? I don't know. Okay, so he's 32 years old. Yeah. And he's marrying a 41-year-old. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Y'all are adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Consenting right? adults. Whatever. Sure. I don't have to like it, but it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been married four times, and your wife has been married three times. Yep. That is bananas. Yep. Yeah, it is a lot. No, um, by the end of his life, he had been legally married with certificates eight times at least. Whoa. Yeah. Why even bother, though? I don't even know. You know? Like. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you know about, like, the allegations and stuff, right? I don't remember. But for our audience who maybe never heard about him. What you'll hear a little bit about next week is some of the marriages that he participated in that weren't um, legal in any way whatsoever. As in, there was no uh, certificate for marriage and they were children. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. And, but besides that, he was married to eight women. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Bernie, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Bernie needs to get his shit together. Get it together. Get it together and put it in a bag so it's all together. (laughs) And then throw that shit out. (laughs) (laughs) So, his new wife, Edith Opal Horner, had moved to L.A. from Arkansas, wanting to become an actress. But she ended up supporting herself and her daughter, mostly by running cons. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to share a story that her daughter told at the end. And uh, I suggest that you skip ahead to that part or stay in until it comes because it's going to be amazing. Nice. Don't skip. Skippers. Yeah, don't skip. I was just saying. (laughs) Skippers get skipped. (laughs) (laughs) Um, when Edith and Bernie got married, they changed their names. Edith changed her name to Susan Alamo, and Bernie changed his name to Tony Alamo. Now, was that legally? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He says that he changed his name to Tony Alamo before they got married, and that it was because of, like, the Italian-American big band singers of the day that he, like, wanted to emulate. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that, and I think it was probably her idea. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) Okay. She pretty much converted him if he did indeed convert to Christianity. Whatever she did, it was her idea. According to him, though, he was in a meeting with a investment firm, with an investment firm, sorry, and Jesus came to him and told him to preach about the second coming of Christ. What? Yeah. In an investment firm meeting. Maybe he was like taking a meditation break or something. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. He probably just wanted to look hoity-toity like, I was in a Beverly Hills investment firm meeting. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just came to me like, fuck out of here, Bernie. (laughs) Yes. 
I um I read some of his like literature on his website oh, and no. it's so fucking hokey. It's ridiculous. Doesn't he have a podcast? Yeah, there's a lot of audio on there. Oh, so no. much. Don't listen. Um they also have recordings of his wife's preaching. Okay. And let me tell you, it is some dry shit. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most church shit is dry shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, too many, too many. I feel like they should really work on that. Yeah. They want to, like, make it to the 22nd Get century. with the times. Right, right. Um, after they both converted to Christianity, so the story goes, um, they started up this ministry the street ministry in la mostly in the hollywood area okay um they were passing out tracks preaching to like drug addicts alcoholics prostitutes they attracted a lot of hippies like like uh not like full-blown socialist hippies but like jesus freaks hippies got it you know yep love everybody peace on earth bring yeah yep yep drop acid and go to church tomorrow It'll be fun. Oh, wait. Yeah. That's pastors now. What are you talking about, Jada? <laughs> <laughs> so they started this street ministry and they got this huge following going. So they established the Music Square Church in LA with their growing number of followers. Mm. And they uh, started preaching some very interesting things. Nice. Their uh, their theology was mostly Pentecostal, but it had this extreme, extreme anti-Catholic tint to it. Mm. Um, it was like almost the foundation of his whole thing he had going on. Like he believed that the Vatican was the power behind the White House, UN, media, music, schools, war, homosexuality. If he didn't like it then the Vatican was behind it. <laughs> Talk about conspiracy theorists. <laughs> yeah. He had an actual like pamphlet newsletter situation that he released called the Vatican-Moscow-Washington Alliance. Wow. Too long, in my opinion. Yeah, tracks have to be short, sweet, to the point. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he also believed in ufos which i did not see coming with this guy but i mean he thinks the vatican is behind everything that's fair that's fair not surprised did you know that you can't like look through the vatican like if you if you do get approved to go in and look at some literature you have to know exactly what you're looking for so they can go grab it for you and bring it to you and that's what you get for that day not surprised it's fucked up. Like, you literally can't read anything that you don't already know exists. Yep. Not surprised at all. Guys, man. Aliens are real, guys. We are. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of aliens are real, guys, they, 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 they found out platyp- platypuses, platypi, platypies, plats are, um, they glow green under UV light. No. So the platypus is an accurate fucking platypus. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. 
on to the um uh, UFOs. Yes. No, no, no. I had something. Oh. The multi- the plural of a word. So we were trying to figure out yes. the plural of platypus. Platypus. <laughs> Guess what the plural of Krampus is. What? Krampuse. Krampuse. <laughs> 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 I was listening to last pod- last podcast on the left's episode about the dark side of Christmas. So good. Highly <laughs> recommended. But they were nice. like, pretty much all the Krampuse go out and like chase kids. Like guys just get <laughs> drunk and dress up as Krampus and chase people around. And I'm like, that's fucking amazing. But <laughs> also the plural of that word is just... Maybe it's platypuse. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry for the tangents, guys. You love us. We love you. Yes. Back yes. to Tony Alamo. <laughs> Tony's beliefs about UFOs are that they were divine messengers sent from heaven or that they were divine messengers sent from hell oh yeah he believed both Hmm. and depending on what kind you saw it was either an illusion of satan or a message from god well then how do you know which is which Mm. Mm. well see (laughs) he (laughs) he and susan were driving in the car one day i don't know where the fuck they were going but they were driving um this is on his website by the way okay And he says that she starts talking about UFOs and like he always took all of his cues from her because she was a, an older Christian as the quote goes. Um, I guess she had been saved. (laughs) I mean, was she really? But anyway, I guess she had been uh, religious. Let's go that way. She had been religious for 25 years when he came to the Lord. So. Okay. He like, Freely admitted that he always looked to her for guidance, which I think is kind of cute. But that is cute if you're not psycho. Sure, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but isn't it sad that the bar is so low that yeah. that's wholesome in any way? <laughs> yeah, that's that is sad. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're driving in the car. She starts talking about UFOs, and she's got him in this like from. From his telling of it, it sounded like he, she was putting him in this, like, very suggestive trance state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's like, her eyes are getting crazy. Like, he's just focused on her and what she's saying and the energy rising in the room when she's talking and stuff. While and they're driving? Like, yeah, while they're driving. She's driving. <laughs> and she's like, don't you believe in UFOs? You have to believe in them. Blah, 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 blah. Let's hold hands and pray and ask God if they're real. And he was like, yeah i mean i we could and she was like no now let's do it (laughs) and uh so they grab hands and start praying she says like god show us if ufos are real show them to us right now and he says that they then opened their eyes and they saw hundreds of ufos in the sky above them were they stars (laughs) well (laughs) Um, no, he says they were round and they were flying like too close to the car for it to be an accident. Like they knew they were aware of them or whatever. And that he asked her to stop driving 
and he was like, I get it, I get it. And he was like under the glove box. What? I don't know whether it's a real story or not, but it sounds made up. I know, I know, same. But he says that he always, um, you know, as one does, he always thought that people who said they saw them were crazy, but now he doesn't. And that is a common theme with people who have uh, paranormal or or alien experiences. Mm -hmm. So maybe not from that one experience, but I I question whether he, um, I mean, being a crazy son of a bitch, (laughs) whether he was sensitive in some way. Because I do feel like people who go to extremes one way or another in any way have to be, um, I don't know, open to different, different energies than we are or than, than the normal population is. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. He seems like he's, he's like very, what's the word? Suggestible. Mm-hmm. Suggestible. Yes. Right. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. We're like, he's swayed by anything. And so I, in the end it's the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. What was he on? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like if he's highly suggestible, it's the sixties. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Granted, I do believe in aliens. So, <laughs> right. so my initial leaning was like, this sounds so fucking bogus. Hundreds of UFOs right over your car. How coincidental. Mm-hmm. But, then he's like, I don't know, very gung ho about it. Yeah, but was he was he openly a, not into UFOs before then, or was he just like That's before? True. I never knew. That's true. That's you know. True. Yeah, yeah. Because you could be kind of skeptical, but then come to the light, right? Like he did with Christianity. Yes, like I did yeah. with yoga. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, love yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. I like that discussion. Thank you. Yeah. I needed to bounce that around a bit. Yeah. I don't trust this fella. <laughs> Changes his name from Bernie to Tony. I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, they had this uh this new church. What was it called? The Music Square Church that mm-hmm. they started in LA. Um, they bought a bunch of businesses and they made enough money from those businesses that they were able to buy some land in uh, a nearby town called Saugus. Okay. This is where they participated in communal living. No! An absolute for the Music Square Church. Yes. <sighs> they lived in a commune and they worked at one of the Alamo-owned businesses. No. And they turned over their salaries to the church. No. Guys, I'm telling you, if someone says, got a job for you, I got a bed for you, you just mm-hmm. got to hand me your page. No. That's not how they that know. works. <sighs> yep. So with all of this labor and money that their followers are generating. Mm -hmm. The Alamos turned this tiny little LA street church into a financial empire, while at the same time, tons of members are scavenging for food from dumpsters and told they're not allowed to flush the toilet more than every two or three days. Oh, no. 
I fucking hate this. Like, if you're going to live on a commune and, you know, you're going to involve yourself in this shit, then as long as you're eating well and you're taken care of and you have the main necessities that human beings need, then mm-hmm. fucking live in the compound. Who cares? I don't care. But when it gets to the point where you have less than, t- what's his name? Did the same thing. Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. The same fucking thing where he had people working for the members of the church or the businesses owned through the church. And then the people in the compound barely had anything. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Damn it. Yeah. Um, so with this financial empire, they purchased more land. In a town called Dyer near Alma, Arkansas, where uh, Edith was from. Okay. And they established the main branch of the Music Square Church there in 1975, Hmm. which they later called the Holy Alamo Christian Church Consecrated. Jeez. And then they landed on Alamo Christian Ministries and Alamo Christian Foundation. He's not very good at naming things, is he? He's really bad at naming things. <laughs> Wait, there's more. <laughs> at one point, Tony owned 29 businesses in Alma, including the Alamo Westernware, Alamo Restaurant, and Alamo Discount Grocery. No, he's terrible at naming shit. <laughs> Can't come up with anything fun or exciting or interesting. No, he already renamed himself. That was the end of his creativity. He was <laughs> like, I picked the name. <laughs> I this is the this is I could I only had one. That was my ticket. Oh. Alamo is it. This is the only name I can come up with for the rest of my fucking life. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, slap that shit on everything. Yeah, he um, did not pay any of the people that worked for him. I mean, like, menial compensation. Like, nothing. Nothing. But, of course, his funds were growing and growing. And his followers were growing and growing. Don't know why. (laughs) And they bought more land in Nashville. Wow. And I don't know when they established the very last one, but they also have a ministry in New Jersey at this point. That is so crazy. So, I don't know. I mean, the stories about their behavior are, like, not, they don't sound awesome or charismatic. It was, mm-hmm. it seems like mostly a fear thing. Like, Susan was this amazing con artist who mm-hmm. knew that, like, a cell in hell has nothing against making people scared of hell. Yeah. And she used the shit out of that on everybody she ever met. Wow. Including her own daughter. I can't say that I am surprised. Yeah. Because you see this a lot in like fundamentalist Christianity, where Mm -hmm. there is this push for the fear of hell and the fear Mm -hmm. of damnation and what's going to happen to your soul when you die. It preys on this fear of where do we go Mm -hmm. next. And the church does this like crazy. Yeah. Even the Catholic Even the mainstream one. <laughs> yeah. The Catholic Church does is really bad too, where you know, you have to pay penance for your loved ones so that they don't mm-hmm. stay in purgatory, or you have to pay make sure that you get your children baptized so that they don't go to purgatory. And then you have to keep making all these penance and paying all this money and doing all these things to ensure that after life or after this life, I should say, mm-hmm. you're fine. 
when really I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. Nope. It's really sad. Yep. Yeah. It does make me sad. Yeah. But I hide that behind anger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In 76, after they established their official uh, ministry, the U.S. Department of Labor brought charges against Tony Alamo for violating the Fair Labor Standard Act. Thank God. Somebody finally caught up with this guy, am I right? Seriously. Sorry, did you hear my dog and my child? I did hear the dog. I didn't hear the child. They are screaming outside my door. So in 76, when the U.S. Department of Labor brought these charges against Alamo, it was because some of the followers had become disgruntled that they weren't getting fucking paid, and they reported his activities because he was taking home everything. Everything. Yeah. Um, he both lost the case and he lost an appeal to the Supreme Court in 1985. Well, yeah, they're not going to want to touch that. Yeah, no. In 1985, the IRS also retroactively revoked the tax-exempt status for Hmm. the church for the years 77 to 1980. Wow. Yeah, that's... Testimony during the trial revealed that the church had had an income of $9 million during those years when Alamo wasn't paying taxes. Three years. That is bananas. Mm-hmm. That is a fuck ton of money. Mm-hmm. Wow. Somehow his lawyers kept the issue about the tax exempt status uh, in court from 1985 to 1992 by arguing that church-owned enterprises are exempt from federal income taxes because they are churches in disguise. Um, Thank goodness there was somebody with some common sense on the case because the special trial judge ruled that the organization was essentially operated for Tony and Susan's private benefit. Well, yeah. And the IRS seized some of the church property for auction. Nice. I know. It kind of makes me wonder, though, how many churches are doing that. Oh, my God, I know. Especially because we've just barely scratched the surface and we've come across so many. Yeah, I'm thinking like coffee, uh, church coffee houses, Mm -hmm. church daycares, church, Mm -hmm. youth night, uh, you know, um, elementary school. Anything. Anything. Like, how much are they able to write off as being a church owned enterprise? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Shit. Well, um, so his his uh, legal troubles went from eighty five to ninety two with the taxes of exempt status, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and on June eighth, ninety four, he was convicted on one charge of filing a false income tax return and three charges of failing to file a tax return. Mm. The judgment against Alamo also showed that he owed another $5 million to former church members for their unpaid work. Wow. If you think about it, if he would have just paid them what they needed to be paid. He wouldn't have had to shell all that out. Right. And he probably could have had a nice hefty salary for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, no. Like, 70000 a year. No questions. Easily. That was he probably himself. more. Oh, no. That was what he paid himself. That's it? I know. I mean, it, well, it was the 70s. So, or 80s, 80s. I can kind of see that being a lot of money at that time. 
but he does have 29 businesses though yeah i mean and i get paying yourself a nice salary for running businesses i'm i'm perfectly fine with him doing that but like he could have still had really good revenue even if he had paid his people Mm -hmm. well he declared bankruptcy after uh all of this bullshit oh when they told him to pay the five million yeah he was like boom i'm bankrupt i don't know what you mean and all the businesses went under oh jeez yeah Tony is a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> so that was in June of 94. In September of the same year, he was sentenced by the Federal District Court for the Western District of Tennessee mm. to six years in the Federal Correctional Institution in Texarkana, Texas. Okay. I wanted to say Arkansas, but it's not Arkansas. <laughs> Texarkana. Wow. <laughs> yeah. In July 1998, he was transferred to a Texarkana halfway house from which he was released on December 8th of 1998. So he served four years instead of six somehow. Hmm. But while in prison, he... (laughs) This is really weird. This is the weirdest part of this whole thing, I think. Okay. Um, He was in the same prison as Mila Jovovich's father. Whoa, that's weird. Okay. Now, what was he in for? Um, insurance fraud, I think. Ah, nice. Yeah, he's a Serbian doctor. Okay. What? Dope, right? Yeah. Good for you, doctor. However, apparently, Tony healed. Uh, his name is Bogi, Bogi Jovovich, or Bog, Bogish. I don't know. There's a ch at the end, but I don't know if you pronounce it or not. I'm gonna call him Bogi. Bogey's roommate had hepatitis okay. and cirrhosis of the liver, and he was losing a lot of blood, apparently. And uh, Tony prayed for him, and the next day he was fine. And that is how Bogey Jovovich became a believer in Tony Alamo. Whoa, that is crazy. Yeah. Wow. They have an interview, like a phone call interview between Tony and Bogey on their uh, Alamo Ministries website. <laughs> so you can check that out if you want. It's it's a wild ride. <laughs> like a full-on endorsement, huh? Yeah, it was pretty much. And I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was... Very curious when I saw that. So I went on Mila Jovovich's page to see if I could then go to her father's page to see if there was more info about him. And there's not. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. But she says uh, in a quote on her Wikipedia page that prison changed him and uh, like taught him to think things through more thoroughly and made him a softer person. Huh. And I wonder if it was Tony Alamo before he was Tony Alamo. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, I mean, he was already a piece of shit for not paying his people, but Very true. it kind of makes me wonder, you know, because it's like these cult leaders, one, they will usually start off doing good, right? Mm-hmm. Doing good for people, helping people out, but there are people who have good stories. Like, yeah. there will there will always be people who will say that their lives were changed because of it in a good way. Very true. And maybe, you know what it makes me think of um, 
when Jesus is going around healing people and they're like, thank you, thank you. And he's like, no, your faith has made you well. Yes. Like Tony didn't have shit to do with it, but he was the, uh, the like catalyst for it. Catalyst. He was the face for the faith that the guy had. Mm. Not that you, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed. Nothing like that. Like, I don't know how the fuck it works, but I do believe that the human body has capabilities beyond what we know it to have now. Yeah. A hundred percent. I do think that there are capabilities in our bodies to heal ourselves and to yeah. like, I mean, the fact that we're able to like reattach nerves right within our or body or yeah. Yeah. Same. So it is possible. Um, yeah. That makes me think of the movie, Dr. Strange, the Marvel movie, Yeah, like mind over matter and being able to heal your own body because you allow your body to do so. I don't know. Yeah, massage is um, similar to that, like, in its most basic uh, form. It's just, like, the way that you hit your head on something and then you go to rub it, like, ah, God, that hurts. Mm -hmm. It's just facilitating the body to do its own thing, redistribute the blood, bring the blood to that area, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I definitely believe, yeah, as we said. but yeah, he uh, he got out of the uh, prison in Texarkana in 98 when he went to the halfway house. And then December 8th of 98, he was released. Okay. And while he was all tied up in those uh, federal tax evasion charges, mm-hmm. some other allegations surfaced. And these allegations caused sheriff's deputies to raid the Saugus, California compound on March 25th, 1988. So this is before he went to prison? Yes. Okay. Uh, while he was going through... All his... 85, yeah, yeah. Because it was 1985 to 1992 that he was going through the tax stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sheriff's deputies raided the compound, acting upon of child abuse they went there specifically to get three boys and reunite them with their fathers who were former members of the arkansas church who had been excommunicated whoa now what happened was their wives remarried more loyal members and tony had the families relocated to california that is not okay no Wow. Um, and the judge, uh, U.S. District Judge Morris Arnold, found that the boys had been abused based on testimony and witnesses and evidence, oh. and he later awarded damages to them in the thousands of dollars. I did not write the amount. Well, at least go. that's good. Um, but still, that sucks. Yeah. At this time, when he was told to pay damages, mm. He claimed that he and his followers had no assets and were living hand to mouth. I mean, probably not. Exactly. Because, no. When did he declare bankruptcy? Uh, Sometime after 94. And this is in 88. So fuck that guy. (laughs) So he claimed they were living hand to mouth, had no assets, and he made a death threat against the judge. Oh, no. (laughs) You can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was charged... For that but later acquitted mm. i don't know why they could have just had him right there 
um, one of the fathers of the three boys, they three different boys from three different families, three different fathers. Um, the one of the fathers, Robert Miller, had been the overseer of the church's trucking company. And he testified in court that Alamo had embezzled $100,000 from the trucking company. Whoa. In 1990, this is pre-jail even, Alamo failed to appear in court to answer to these charges and was ruled guilty in default. Yeah, you got to go to court, dude. <laughs> Stupid. Actually, I was talking to my husband about that because he had a warrant out for his arrest when he was younger. Because mm. he failed to, he was talking about prison and when he, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't like real prison, but county jail, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And what it was like when he went there. And so we were talking about that, but he said he got pulled over and there was a warrant for his arrest because he hadn't paid like either a parking fine, like a parking ticket or a, like he failed to appear in court for a mm. traffic violation. Nope. I know. Yeah, no, that's not good. He was young and dumb. He doesn't do that now. Believe we pay our tickets. <laughs> but when he was young and dumb, he did fail to appear in court. And so, yeah, this will put you directly in jail right away. Like if you get pulled over uh-huh. and you, don't, you hadn't paid your ticket or you hadn't appeared in court, uh, yeah, you're fucked. Very true. Yeah. Well, he should have been not uh, not Chris Tony Alamo. <laughs> should have been more fucked than he was. Like yeah. he wasn't. Fortunately and unfortunately, Susan Alamo died of breast cancer on April 8th, 1982. Mm. Tony predicted that she was going to be resurrected. Oh. <laughs> Yay, I love this one. Let's go in, around again. Oh. Uh, so he kept her embalmed body on display in the Arkansas church for almost six months before finally putting it in a heart-shaped mausoleum in their backyard next to their swimming pool. Okay, that's creepy. But, all like, the embalming part is creepy, and the mausoleum next to the swimming pool is creepy. All of it is mm. creepy. Oh, wait, there's more. No. Members no. were forced to pray every day of those six months that she was on display. They were forced to pray for her resurrection. And some former child members described being beaten every day that she didn't rise from the dead. Oh no. Yeah. Because after she died, he kind of went unhinged a bit and it became like a cult of beatings. <laughs> that's what it was. I can't, I don't. Uh, so it kind of makes me, I, I can't say that I'm like really surprised. Yeah. Because especially with the amount of faith and dedication that he had for her. Yeah, true. Like, I can understand why he would be even more unhinged than he already was at this point with everything. Like, that's, uh, it's really sad. Yeah. Well, he's still dumb. Oh, no, for sure. We've definitely. (laughs) Um, In uh, February of 91. Somehow, Tony got wind that there was going to be a raid from the federal government on the Arkansas compound. So he let his followers know, said, uh, give them the slip and also bring Susan with you. (laughs) So some of his followers just lugged Susan Alamo's body around 
for seven years after that. Oh. Yeah. In uh, 95, Susan's daughter, who we met uh, at the beginning when she was 13, her name is super... It could be Christian, but it could be Christiane, or it could be Christine. I really don't know. It's Christ, H-I-A-O-N. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting spelling. It's pretty, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. I just don't know how to say it by looking at it. So, I'm going to call her Chris, because that is what they do in the article. Nice. (laughs) So, uh, in 95, her daughter Chris filed a suit to have her body returned to her, Susan Alamo's body. And the judge ordered that Tony do so. However, he hemmed and hawed for three freaking years. Like, I don't know where it is. Wait, do I? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, on July 23rd, 1998, after three years of battle, his followers dropped the body off at a funeral home. And... Uh, it was identified, and Chris was called, and a month later, she had her reinterred in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Wow. But still, seven years. <laughs> that is really crazy. Isn't it? So bizarre. Oh, but um, yes. Now, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Chris's experience growing up with her mother, and also, like, she... She gives the, a very uh, unique insight into, like, the the beginning of Tony Alamo, the origins of the foundation. It's, Ooh. it's super great. Yeah, because, I mean, she was there. It wasn't like exactly. she was super young. And she was 13, so it's not like she wasn't, like, five. It wasn't yeah. some of her first memories she had. And also, she was the daughter of Susan Alamo. Like, she wasn't stupid. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, um, so her last name now is Cooey, C-O-I-E. Her mother, Susan Alamo, as we talked about, was the co-founder of the cult Alamo Christian Foundation. And Chris says that she escaped the group in 1971 and she has never looked back. Mm. Um, Now, some of what I'm about to read is going to be uh, like editor's notes from the interview, and some of it is going to be in her voice. Okay. So she says that in 2008, um, when the uh, allegations of abuse were really first surfacing against Tony Alamo, um, which we'll talk about next week, when Cooey um, was 57 at that point. Wow. She she sat down for this interview with the Intelligence Report, which is the paper of the SPLC, who, by the way, has the Alamo Foundation listed as a hate group. Oh, nice. <laughs> because of their anti-Catholic bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Were they, like, over um, the top with it? Like, right Oh, my God. Again? Over the top. It's over. Like, they've, they've got pamphlets, they've got sermons, they've got scripture. They're very much like the traditional biblicists, mm-hmm. whatever people that we talked about. Um, you remember that? The Manosphere? Yeah. It's a, it's a very... His interpretation of the Bible is very much like that. It is genuinely disturbing. 
Wow. Like he excuses polygamy because God gave Moses multiple wives and Abraham and Isaac married Rebecca when she was 10. Apparently, I don't fucking know, but he was 40. And he's like, well, God said it was right. So are you going to tell me he's wrong? I don't care what you say. Oh, no. Yeah. Guys, I don't think we have to say this, but the Bible is written by men for men. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, Kui begins her recounting when she's about 13 years old, growing up fast on the streets of L.A. Mm -hmm. with her mother, Edith Opal Horner. Yeah, because her mom was conning at that time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Kui calls her an exceptional con artist with a keen intellect and few morals. Mm. And um, this is what she says. Mama had great dreams of being a star. She was beautiful in the weirdest way. Not like you would look at her and go, wow, a striking beauty. But when she walked into a room, she had so much command that people stopped talking. We'd go from a few bucks to absolute poverty. I mean, the kind of poverty that mom and I would be living in a one-room apartment with a pull-down murky bed and a hot plate. And we would do mystery cans. Or we'd go buy cans that had no labels. You would open the cans and whatever you opened, you ate. Wow. And when we'd really get broke, Mama decided to go into religion. She'd say, put on your dress. We're going to go do a church. So we would go, and there were certain churches that knew her. And she'd say, I have a message from the Lord, and I need to speak. So I would sing, and she would speak, and they'd do a love offering, and we'd leave with money. And that's pretty much how we survived. Wow. That is banana. Right. And this is the chick who taught Tony Alamo about aliens. (laughs) Yeah. And Christianity. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. As Kui entered her early teens, she began working as a background vocalist and turning over all of her money to her mother. Mm. Her mother, who dated a stream of men, sometimes disappearing for days on end. And then one day, everything changed. When they were seated in a bar in Hollywood and in walked Tony Alamo. Mm. And Chris says, I knew who Tony Alamo was. I had seen him around the boulevard. He was supposed to be this great big promoter who had promoted the Beatles, but I knew he was a bald-faced liar. I knew that he was living with a girl who was pregnant with his child. He wasn't living with her. He was living off her. Oh, wow. So I see this creep coming in with the producer I've worked with. And he's coming right toward the table and my mother's sitting there. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, crap, not this clown. She usually picked out men who had a little style and a lot of money. He sits down at the table and he's bullshitting until his face is about to fall off. I promoted the Beatles and I promoted this guy and that guy and Sonny and Cher. Is he kidding with this? And my mother's doing the, well, I'm an actress, been around the studio for years and my daughter's a singer thing. He's like, I just heard her take. She's fantastic. I can make her a big star. And I'm watching them, and it's like a tennis match of horse crap. They both think the others got money. He gets up to go to the bathroom, and I turn to my mother, and I said, listen to me, this guy is an absolute bum. He's living with that little pregnant girl. And she puts her finger in my face, which she did often, and said, mind your fucking business. When he gets back, you wait a few minutes and politely excuse yourself from the table and don't come home tonight. Whoa, she was 13? Yeah. Dude, this is bananas! Yeah. I feel like I'm watching, like, a movie. 
I know. That's how I felt reading it. She's such like, a good storyteller. She is. I mean, you're a great storyteller telling her story. It's just fantastic. <laughs> wow. That is okay. Continue. <laughs> I'm so intrigued. <laughs> he comes back, sits down. She looks at him and says, Tony, I've got to ask you a question. Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth again? And he looks deep in her eyes and says, why, yes, Susan, I do know. But how do you know? And she says, well, let's go up to my apartment and talk about it. And that's how the Tony and Susan Alamo Foundation started, end quote. That is the worst pickup line I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I've heard some really shitty ones, but that. Well, yes, I do know about Jesus. How do you know about Jesus? <laughs> that has got to be the worst. <laughs> God. she could have said i got some new curtains that are really cute you want to come look at them like curtain sounds like a euphemism it was it was definitely okay okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, ser- seriously though like she could have used any other line but yep. did you know that jesus christ is coming back to earth again i Let's- think it was a little like like, I feel like they were sussing each other out at first. Ooh. And then when he came back, she was like, so how far are you willing to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is interesting. Wow. I mean, you can make a lot of money with a pastor for a husband. And the gift that right. she had for being exactly. Or she wrong. clearly does it right. Yeah. Yeah. With her skill set and his male genitalia, they were unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, at this point, um, Tony and Susan start inviting hippies into the apartment to be saved and to pray and to turn over their worldly possessions to the couple. Oh, God. Soon after founding their ministry, this is when they had the street ministry in uh, L.A. Mm Mm-hmm. The couple left Kui and California, claiming that the Lord had a mission for them in Las Vegas, uh, which is some bullshit because that's where they went to get married. <laughs> it's a mission to get married. That, that was the whole mission. <laughs> that was the mission. <laughs> We're going to go get married and fuck. <laughs> oh, God. So they left instructors. Instructors. Oh, my God. <laughs> they left instructions for their followers to get jobs. And send them money. No. <laughs> yeah. But Alamo's claims of being a big promoter weren't panning out. So he and Susan fell on hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris started missing her mother pretty intensely and flew to Vegas to see her. She didn't get a great reception and it got worse. She says Tony raped her in Vegas. Oh, no. And she says, and my mother didn't believe it and told me to get my ass out. And I was a liar and I was trying to take her man. So I left and I came to Los Angeles. This is, this happens a lot. Yeah. It's, it's sickening and saddening the amount of times that this has happened. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially in this time, that time. Yeah. Like the amount of daughters that said, hey, your boyfriend did this to me. And the mom is like, you're trying to steal my man. Get the fuck out. Yeah. It's sad. It's so sad. Ugh. I, that's terrible. So in the editor's note for that paragraph, it does say that no criminal complaint was ever filed against 
Alamo in the so-called alleged rape of Chris Cooey. Yeah. Uh, I say it's definite, not alleged. Fuck y'all. I, I mean, alleged just means it wasn't proven that it happened, but it could Yeah, happen, I know. So. Um, however, she did testify about it under oath in a civil trial. Okay. So, that's good. Yeah. And Alamo has declined to respond to any requests for comment on this and all other matters. Of course. <laughs> um, it's too busy. So, <laughs> yeah. So she says she left Vegas and went to Los Angeles. She says, <clears throat> the whole time I'm swearing I'll never talk to her again because she knew I was raped. It wasn't like I was just telling her something. She caught the tail end of the mess. <gasps> and she, left, she reacted by looking at me and saying, you little fucking whore. That's how it started. You little fucking whore. It was just insanity, but it was such a complete betrayal. It hurt. Wow. Um, I have like chills. Ugh, that is so yeah. devastating. Oh my God. Well. Uh, Tony and Susan returned to L.A. a few months later, promoting a motorcycle-riding opera singer named Rovin. Okay. Susan Alamo summoned her daughter to a lunch meeting, where she magnanimously forgave her for all of her faults and perceived slights against her. And this is where I would say, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wasn't at that point yet, unfortunately. Uh. Highly, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, they, they took all of the money from the singer Rovin, and they spent it all on diamonds and shit, and not on promoting the singer. So, my God. Tony and Susan fell back on their ministry when their showbiz schemes ran out, Kui said. Uh, Susan started preaching again in earnest when she saved Kui's boyfriend, Ed, who lived with Kui and about a dozen other uh, singers and musicians in the house that they shared. Mm. And she's got this nice little story about the first time Susan met Ed. Okay. She says, now I'm living upstairs. She's got my boyfriend downstairs and all my friends, and she's ruining my life again. I've got services going twice a day down there. They're taking food out of trash cans, going out and getting more kids to eat the food out of the trash cans. One of her scams was she would say to them, you know, I could be wrong. I could be absolutely dead wrong, but I'm happy. But if you're wrong, you're going to hell. It was a money-making operation. She loved to boss those kids around. She was a queen. She talked to God, and those kids believed it. She put them out collecting welfare. She'd pack us all up in cars and buses and take us to big churches and deliver this big message about how Look at this. We brought a bunch of crazy kids. I'm keeping them from coming around like Charlie Manson did and cutting your throat. I brought them to the Lord. And boom, the money would fly in because Manson had just murdered all those people. Yeah. By 1971, with some serious money rolling in, uh, as we talked about, they had all of those, uh, all of that, the welfare checks and the shit and the Mm -hmm. um, people giving over their salaries and only working in their businesses. By 1971, with serious money rolling in, Tony and Susan purchased property outside of L.A. in Saugus, where they set up their compound and their church. And Chris Cooey had two young children by this time. Wow. Also had enough of her mother's bullshit. Yeah, good. Where she says, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I said, Mama, listen, I've done everything you wanted, and you know that. I just want to go now. I'm going to take my kids and go. 
my hand to God, I will never say a word. If they subpoena me, indict me, I will never say a word, but I have to go. I love you and you're my mother, but I just can't be in this anymore. And she said, don't be stupid. Don't make me kill you. You're my daughter, but there's too much fucking money and too much at stake here. And if you try to leave, I'll kill you. Oh, no. Being the wise woman that I am, I said, you know what? You're not going to do that. You'll do a lot of shitty things, but you won't do that. So Chris called a cab. And the moment she hung up, she says, cult members, including her mother and stepfather, came storming through her front and back doors and started beating her. Oh, my God. She said, they beat me into insensibility, all of them. I had my baby in my arms, so it was all I could do to keep her from getting hit. My eyes were black. My lips were big as balloons. My nose was busted. Hair ripped out. Some of them even pinched me. They were going to put me in a coma and say I'd fallen down the stairs. My mother always used to tell people after she'd beaten me that she hurts herself. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck Susan. Fuck Susan in the ass. Um, the cab driver arrived and interrupted the beating, thank God. Wow. Uh, he called the cops. Kui says she put a towel over her face to keep from scaring her little daughter with her injuries. And Susan Alamo told the police when they arrived that her daughter was a psychotic drug addict, of course, and her injuries were a result of them trying to restrain her. Now, Kui says, the next thing I know, everything goes black. Two cops had gotten another call and left, and I didn't know it. What? me in the back of the head with the telephone. And when I come to, my children are gone. They're gone. I called the police, and the same two cops come back out. Now the blood is running down the back of my head, and I say, you walked out of here, and they stole my kids. And I said, it's a cult, and they took my children. The cops were furious because they knew they'd been had. So they go upstairs to my mother's house, and they say, where are those kids? Kui says the police found her oldest child hidden in a closet, but the baby was nowhere to be found. <sighs> we get to the police station. They said, we need to take you to the hospital, but can we get some pictures of you first? Can you hold up? And I said, okay. So we go to the police station, just getting ready to take the pictures, and there was a phone call. I pick up the phone, and I hear a voice saying, Chris, don't say anything about who's on the phone. If you file anything, you'll never see your daughter again. You want your daughter, you need to leave there right now. Don't sign anything and come back to the house and get her. What would you do? That was the last time I saw my mom, the day she beat my brains out. And when my mother first died, that miserable piece of crap took her body back to the house and kept her for months. He knew that she was the secret to the power. And if he did not have her, he couldn't control them. He would have to take her body out because how could she talk to him if he didn't? How could she communicate with him from God if he would allow her to be taken over by the commie antichrist government? Did she ever give her daughter back? Yeah, I believe that she didn't sign anything. Oh, my like, God. She didn't take the pictures. She just dropped it because she wanted her kid back. Oh, my. This is the most insane story. I mean, we talk about a lot of crazy shit on this podcast, but this but. <laughs> takes the cake. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on the edge of, I'm, I'm sitting on a pillow on my floor in my closet, but I'm on the edge of this pillow right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. My heart is like racing. This is <laughs> banana. Oh my God. This is, this is insane. Wow. Oh my God. Isn't that wild? And that's the end of the first part. <laughs> that's the end of episode one. <laughs> Guys, don't hate us. Come back next week. <laughs> That was so good. 
Oh, that was so good, Jada. Thank you. <laughs> I that knew you would do good. this story justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, that was all Chris Cooey, really. Yeah, I. but wow, that, oh, that yeah. is crazy. Multiple bananas in a wagon. Yeah, with a load, a carton full of horse shit. Mm-hmm. Wagon full, whatever you said. Yes. <laughs> wagon full of horse shit. <laughs> oh, that's uh, crazy. Were you in a cult? Do you have a favorite cult? Is there a cult that you want us to cover? Do you just have a funny, crazy story you want to tell us or a mystical experience you had? Send us your stories at two sisters cult at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. Our weekly podcast will always be free, but if you donate to our Patreon, it helps to support the show, offsets the cost of making the show, and allows us to create more amazing content for you. Go to twosisterscult.com and click on Patreon on the top menu. You'll get exclusive perks like a shout-out on the show, access to our top-secret Facebook community, and if you join at the $10 level, you'll get a Two Sisters and a Cult sticker, an exclusive monthly bonus full-length episode starting in January. woo woo <laughs> We also have some pretty sweet merch available in our shop. You can pick from decals, stickers, t-shirts, and you can pick from lots of other fun stuff. So come check it out. Click shop in the menu at twosisterscult.com. And the best way for you to help us out on the show is to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also be sure to tell a friend who you think would like us. Or 50. 50 friends. If you have that mm-hmm. money, I don't. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Sisters Cult. Come hang out with us. Catch you on the flip side. And don't join this cult. No. I was going to say it flippantly, but like, don't go to this one. <laughs> no. Do <laughs> it. <laughs>